You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Got a lot to talk about today, and it's a mailbag episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. Rusty, you're going to get to answer all these questions that everybody always wants to ask. You don't have to do an Ask Rusty on the board. Kip, you don't have to do an Ask Kip on the board. This is an actual – you get to vocalize these things. Cut it loose, okay? too early for this? Yeah. Hey, (laughs) I got it myself. Got it myself. I don't want to grab it right now because I'm afraid I'll spill it on something. Uh, but yeah, so we got a mailbag episode coming. But before we get to that, guys, preseason camp's over. It was technically over the last time we talked, but it's over now. And that means that Georgia is game planning for Clemson. All right, it's time to get ready for Clemson. It's time to start putting in the game plan and start to, you know, focus on the guys who are ready. Rusty, when it gets to this point, Things just change, and for me, and you haven't followed this team for so long. What did, what what does it tell you about the college football season when you all of a sudden know that the team you cover is now preparing for the upcoming opponent? Any level of football you play, knowing you got three weeks of a grind, you don't have a game, you don't have a game this week, you're not preparing for an opponent, you're just grinding on each other. I think the focus now, a couple of things. Uh, you look at this in different perspectives. The players get more excited because we're preparing for Clemson. We're watching tape. We're starting to see, hey, this is what they're going to do when we do this. This is how we need to attack them. It gives them that that juice, that feeling like, hey, it's here. It's time. Now, on the flip side of that, you start narrowing down reps. So you start seeing who's on the scout team, who's on the first team, who's on the second team. Those reps start getting fewer and fewer. So you want to see from those younger players who can fight through this, Who who knows, okay, I may not even travel next week, but I got to give a maximum effort every day to make sure. And some of those things, you look a guy like Eric Stokes. I mean, redshirt freshman year, he's probably standing there in the corner, you know, just arms up, not doing much. Next thing you know, three years later, he's a first round draft pick. So who are those kids that are working hard? Who is able to be, I would kind of say de recruited because that's a very humbling experience for a lot of freshmen around the country to know, Hey, next thing you know, I'm over here acting like I'm a Clemson player trying to get our offense ready, trying to get our defense ready. There's a lot of different perspectives, but at the end of the day, the players are walking into the building knowing it's just game time. There's no doubt about it. And and one of the things I, you know, that, that really grabs me about it is, you know, no longer is the focus on getting anybody reps. And, and yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah, but at the same time, it's, you got a certain guys, a few guys you got to get ready. And and you kind of hit on it there is it's, it's a telling time of year. It's a telling time to know, all right, well, you may have heard a great thing about this freshman or you may have heard a great thing about that sophomore coming on. But if he's not getting reps with the ones or the twos or if he's not playing against scouts this time of year, it's 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 not meaningless, but it doesn't mean anything as, a, you know, coming into that season or that particular game could change at a moment. So, I mean, Jordan Davis was getting – you know, steady scout team reps going into his first season. He ended up being a starter by the end of that season. So, you know, it can all change. But, you know, when you start looking at game one, who's going to help, who's ready to play, you know, you get that. And and I'm not sure what the travel squad thing is for a neutral site game like this. I think 90 can go or or maybe – is it 70? Oh, wow. Rusty says it's 70. Yep. So it is a 70-man travel roster for a neutral site game like this. They yep. they do them differently. I, I know that, like, for, for Notre Dame, they took about yeah. 85 kids to Notre Dame or 90 or something like that. But, yep. you know, there may be a, a mutual agreement to be on here. Uh, Kip, before we get into the mailbag, camp's, camp's over. Season's about to start. What What's kind of – what's always your impression when you start hearing about game planning for a specific opponent? I mean, it's all about people are looking at depth charts and they're wanting to see who's healthy and who's injured for this. So that that's it. Who could stay healthy over over the next week of practice? You may have heard about a guy all summer, all off season, but 
once the you know the lights are out there and they're they're lining up, you see completely different guys out there with the starters, and that's when you know maybe maybe some guys had some nagging injuries. So over the next week or two, you want to you just want to hear who's healthy and who's able to go out there and line up because we could talk about matchups throughout the whole show, but you know if certain guys are, are banged up behind the scenes, you know it changes the whole outlook of the game. And so uh, that's the one aspect that you can't really break down because only the coaches for both teams. I'm not just talking about Georgia, obviously. Could be some guys banged up for Clemson, we, you know, that we don't really know about. And, you know, once they get out there in Charlotte, uh, we find out they got some completely different guys out there that they're asking to play important roles. And so, I mean, th- this is why both these teams are top five teams in the end because they've recruited this roster from top to bottom and, and they've tried to build de- build depth and – I mean, everyone says next man up, but that's really what it is. And both these teams have the, the type of players where if you have a guy hurt, the next guy should be able to provide similar or potentially even, you know, breakthrough performance. And so that's kind of that aspect that you can't really control. And, you know, the, we're kind of in the dark about overall. But, I mean, it, it's going to be huge. Like, wh- which one of these teams is going to come out of the gate healthy? And I think that's kind of the biggest factor heading into this game. All right, let's get into these mailbag questions. Uh, and and we're going to start up with a curbside pickup, K-I-R-B side pickup. Like that name, cool name. Has there been a noticeable improvement in JT Daniels' performance this year versus last year? And I'd like to lead this one off uh, with a bunt. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try and drag a bunt down the third baseline here because we don't know. You know, I mean, it's tough to rely, you know, when you, especially after last preseason, listen, if you listen to this podcast last preseason, um, I I think I apologized. I think I came on this podcast and apologized after last preseason because I bought into the Dewan Mathis hype. And listen, I, I still think the world Dewan Mathis is a person. I hope he has an incredible career. Okay. But I bought stock in Dewan Mathis. I had to... I, I, I had to try and sell it. I don't know if I could because he struggled that much. Okay. So it's, it's tough to rely on what other people see as opposed, you know, when you start talking about performance, but I will say this, Rusty, after what I saw in the G day game, a little bit of a sluggish start, yeah. but after what I saw in the G day game, I think the guy's gotten better after I've heard what I've heard in terms of coaches speaking on the record and off the record information outside of that first scrimmage, that first, maybe, you know, full week of uh, of preseason practice, I think he's gotten better. And also, you expect him to. That sure. he he better have gotten better. Yeah. Um, if you have goals like he does, and and I, I've known him for a while now, covered him. You know, first met him at the uh, All American Bowl in Texas. Uh, obviously, came in heralded recruit. And all that stuff's been told before, but. He has a goal playing the NFL. Not only has a goal playing the NFL, he wants to be a high draft pick. He wants to be a first-round draft pick. Um, every opportunity to achieve those goals are in front of him. Now, let me just take two seconds on the Dewan Mathis stuff. I guarantee you, you heard the same things I did last August. Okay, so I don't back off those statements that Dewan Mathis had a great August. He had a great fall camp. He was named the starter, and Georgia had the utmost confidence in him to translate on what he was going to do. Now, it didn't work on Saturdays, you know, and that's something that Georgia staff had to see. I mean, it took a, what, a half and a, at some point in the third quarter, they brought in Stetson Bennett and, and kind of that that trajectory took off. But, you know, with DeJuan Mathis and what we heard last year, that's what it was. But, you know, it was a lesson learned for everybody, including myself, that, hey, this has got to be done on Saturdays. Now, we do have a sample size of three or four games, um, you know, from JT Daniels, and he's played some before. So I think, yes, there was a little bit of concern uh, based off what I heard in that first scrimmage, but I think what he did uh, coming into the second week, coming into the second scrimmage, I think that people in, in that in that Butchmere building breathed kind of a sigh of relief going, okay, our guy's here. This is our quarterback. This is who we think he is. This is who we know. He's had a full offseason. He's been around these guys for a year. It's not just stepping in and being a quarterback. It's being the leader. It's being the guy that the rest of the team knows, hey, we can win every single game with JT Daniels. So, you know, this guy's got Heisman odds. He's got all this kind of stuff surrounding him. I think with him, you're going to get a good picture in this Clemson game. 
because JT Daniels has to come out and he has to play a really good game against a really good elite team. I went back and watched Ohio State and um, and, and Clemson last night and some of the things that Justin Fields did against them and how they defended him and those types of things. Justin Fields had a lot of checkdowns. He had a lot of deep balls in that game that he threw on the money. JT Daniels is going to get a chance to complete those balls uh, against the Clemson team that's going to going to man him up sometimes so uh you know i just think what i've heard and i'm kind of a little bit cautious um uh, I, I like where he is i like where he's going uh but with for, for you know georgia bulldogs and what we know about jt daniel this clemson game is large for a lot of reasons and if he goes out and performs well in this game it's going to be the hype is going to take off i mean it's going to take off on him because everyone else knows the pieces he has around him. They'll get some pieces back. And then you throw in an elite defense. If JT Daniels plays really good against Clemson, man, the hype train is going to take off in mock speed. No doubt about it. Hype's going to pick up at the uh, junkyard, too, because everybody wants to see it. Everybody wants to watch it happen. And it'll be legit at that point. Like, it'll be, a, like you said, an elite team, a very good defensive front, a very well-coached defense. You know, uh, we see it all, you know, interacting with fans year-round. You see it all. You see, hey, we're going to blow them out. You know, people talk themselves into different things, and that's fine. That's what this is all about. Uh, but make no bones about it, Clemson's defense is really good, okay? You, we can debate on how good and which one was better and is it as good as this past defense or, you know, Alabama's five years ago or whatever. doesn't matter. This, de- this, this defense is really good. It's a good measuring stick. And, uh, you know, while this game won't determine Georgia's season, it can definitely serve as a springboard, kind of like that Notre Dame game did in in week two of the 2017 season, and Georgia will take a two-point victory right now if you give it to them. Let's move on to the next question, Kip, and I'm going to start off with you. King George, King Georgia, okay, another nice play on words there, talking about King George the second or whoever the state of Georgia was named after. Who has the better season this year, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, or A.D. Mitchell? Who you got, Kip? I mean, that's, that's a tough one, really. Yeah, you're talking about a true freshman out there, an A.D. Mitchell that hasn't actually played in an actual game yet. So, uh, it, you know, really, in the end, I still think that's the guy. I mean, Marcus Marcus was really, you know, coming on last year before the injury, that, that tough injury in the Florida game. You know, he's making a lot of big plays. And, uh, you know, he looks to be ready to get back there and make an impact. But, you know, just – from what we've seen of A.D. Mitchell, not just G-Day, but just the what we've heard since then is that, you know, he's got the potential to, to be a special playmaker at Georgia. And, again, like I said, hasn't done anything yet in the game. But, you know, I, from what I've heard, I, I just think that he has that that skill set that just always thrives, you know, in Georgia's offense. And I just think, you, you know, you look at his ability to – to use his size and catch radius to the box out defenders and, you know, just his, his overall balance and, and just ability to know where he is inside the lines. I just think that when that gives you the whole field that you can use, you can go sideline to sideline with a guy like him. You can throw it across the middle. You know, you could, you, you could do the fade. You, you can just throw it up and know that he's going to give you a chance to win. And those are quarterback's best friends when you have a guy like that. You know, when if the pass rushes on you, if if JT is having to, to make something happen a little out of the pocket or having to move around, uh, A.D. Mitchell's a guy that can break off his route and come help him and, 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 you know, pick up the first down or make a big play in the end zone. So I think throughout the course of the season, their chemistry is only going to get better. And the fact that they've had, you know, a full offseason to – to practice together is huge. I mean, that's talking about GT taking that next step. Well, I mean, having chemistry with your wideouts is, is huge. And that was something that he was not able to get last year. He had to basically just get it on the fly when he came in in that, you know, the last third of the season. So I, I think from what we've heard so far is that him and AD, I mean, they have that chemistry. And I mean, when, when you get that, I mean, that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. A, a, a quarterback needs somebody he can trust. Whether it's first down, whether it's play action, whatever the call, he needs a guy he can trust that's going to make a play for him. And I, I think right now, even though with injuries, they still have a deep wide receiver room, I think A.D. Mitchell just ha- checks enough of those boxes to be that potential guy 
for for JT Daniels throughout the season. I know we set, talked about it the last pod that I thought he might emerge later in the season, and, and Jake said it might happen earlier. I think you're right. I think that he could become that guy for JT Daniels he could depend on throughout the game to make big plays whenever he needs them to. I agree with that. I definitely think uh, A.D. Mitchell would definitely be my pick. Rusty, real quick, who would be your pick? Um, I would go with A.D. Mitchell. I just think that he's a guy that, that uh, you know, with a lot of things that Kip just said, I think he's a guy that we've all heard different things on. And um, I think both of those players are going to be uh, counted on. But I, I think that A.D. Mitchell, from everything I've heard, uh, this guy is is ready to play. He is a polished um, pass receiver. He has a confidence. You see JT Daniels in the spring game, and that was his guy. I mean, he was throwing the ball. You know, he was his target. He was throwing to him in tight windows and those types of things. You don't see that a lot from a, a true freshman in a spring game uh, to get multiple targets. So um, I, I think both of these guys are going to play a big role. But if I'm, I'm having to choose one right now, I go with A.D. Mitchell. You know, this and a couple bucks will buy you a bag of Skittles, but – we're talking about last four weeks of spring drills all the way through every week of this preseason practice. He's been a name you've heard. He's been a name that's been brought up by people off the record, on the record. I mean, that's tough to ignore. And, you know, I, I lean on one thing, and it's their skill sets. And, listen, I, I think Marcus Rosemey jack is a very talented player. I think he's a guy who can separate, and I think he's a big guy who can make catches on the outside. But when you look at A.D. Mitchell, you're talking about speed. You're talking about twitch and quickness. Uh, you're talking about uh, a guy who can, who also has the size to make those 50-50 plays. I think his game extends a little further as far as the danger that it, that it you know, can – can uh, you know strike you know the danger that it can cause a defense as opposed to you know Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint who listen is coming off a major injury who knows how he's going to react in real time I, I still think he's looking at a season where he's probably going to you know three hundred plus yards four hundred plus yards maybe uh, but I think AD Mitchell you know I would project at this point I think he's a guy that that might kind of shock some folks with with the kind of year he has I think if JD Daniel JT Daniels is going to throw for 3,000, 3,500, 4,000 yards this year, you're looking at A.D. Mitchell maybe being a seven, 800-yard receiver for this team just because he has been a constant for all of these practices dating back to back, dating back to March. And not only that, he he's a guy that, that does a little bit of everything well. He's kind of, if you look at Georgia's receiver core and you look at the total package, I think it's A.D. Mitchell and Jermaine Burton are the guys that check off the most boxes with one guy. And, uh, and to me, that means a lot at the receiver position, a guy that can beat you in a number of different ways. All right, Visor Dog is next. Who is leading the team in receptions and yards come December? Jermaine Burton, my pick. Who you got, Who you got, Kip? Hmm. That's a real good pick, man. Um, yeah, I, I'll have to go with Burton as well. You know, I thought I'd throw a curveball in there and, and say, uh, you know, that it could be a guy like – Brock Bowers in the end, just because I just think he's a guy that you can line up all over the place and, and make, you know, have a ton of different plays for him. Kind of just that uh, off the radar pick. But I think, you know, the easiest pick right now is Burton, just because I know we've seen what he can do. And we've seen that he's the most complete receiver that we know of in, in a game on, on the roster right now. I mean, he's a guy that we know that can do everything you ask for from a receiver, whether it's, you know, stretching the field underneath, you know, uh, a guy that could take a short pass and, and turn it, you know, turn it up field, get yards after the catch. So, I mean, I, I think this could be kind of a breakout season for Jermaine Burton. You know, we look at all these preseason lists and all the, you know, the all-conference and all-American lists and everyone starts picking it apart and wondering, you know, when is Georgia going to have a receiver in there? I mean, Jermaine Burton set up really well to be that guy for Georgia at the end of the year, just to, to pad the stats, you know, across the board, whether it's the, you know, the average per reception touchdowns. I think he could, he could really, really put up big numbers this season just because I, I think that uh, he's going to need to for, for Georgia to be in this thing in the end. So I really like Jermaine Burton, and I think that even though they're going to rotate their guys in, and it could be a different guy leading the team of receptions each year. I think come the end of the season, he's going to be the guy that's 
you know, it's definitely patted the stat box across the line there. All right, Rusty, feel free to make this interesting. You know I am. So I would want to go with Burton there, but um, you, you both you guys have, and and I'm that's a good. I, I would have I had to bet my house on it. That's where I'm going. But I've wrote about him. Um, I think he's had a tremendous fall. I think this is a guy that's going to get a lot of touches. And, you know, it's we'll, we'll definitely revisit this one, but I think Lad McConkey's the guy that's going to be a play a major role in Georgia's offense. Um, I, you know, I talked to a lot of people that practice. I talked to a couple NFL scouts and guys, and, you know, this is a guy, um, and he's a little bit bigger than him. Uh, he's bigger than Hunter. He's going to get a lot of comparisons to Hunter Renfro and, and what he did at Clemson over the years, but uh, he's a little bigger than Hunter. I think, I think, um, I think Laz like six foot one eighty five. Um, I think his testing this summer he ran four four seven, uh, thirty eight inch vertical, ten three bra, uh, ten three broad jump. So athletically, he might be the most gifted athlete in the room. Uh, I don't know that any, any, anybody can outbeat that in that wide receiver room other than Arian Smith. Uh, Kiris Jackson maybe when he's healthy he was he was a pretty freaky athlete too. So. You could put it, you combine all those with the ability to get open ball skills. And listen, I think he's going to get a lot of targets because he's going to be a, an intermediate guy. He's going to get, uh, he's going to be that tough guy to cover in the seam, those types of things uh, from a slot position. But, you know, I would go Burton, but you guys have. So I'll go with the next guy to me. And I think Lad McConkey's just going to play a huge role for Georgia this year. Uh, what a what a get what an eval by the Georgia staff if he continues to do what we hear he's doing uh, doesn't surprise me I remember talking to the Calhoun staff after that that game and uh, you know they had never beat Cal- they've never even played North Murray had never even played Calhoun close uh, you know a, a state powerhouse basically in their classification and uh, he went up there and beat them I think they were max preps 35 point underdog and you know they couldn't stop him you know I think he had four or five touchdowns a huge game and uh, that's the type of athlete he is, and I think Georgia fans uh, should know who he is, Lad McConkey, going into this Clemson game. Hey, uh, when you said you were going to go off the board, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, I mean, I, I knew it wasn't going to be A.D. Mitchell. I was like, where in the world is he going to go with this? He, mm-hmm. Kiaris Jackson maybe? No, no, no. Rusty, Rusty, had, to, Rusty had to drop a, yep. a, a, a some napalm on this thing with Lad McConkey. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, listen, he's had a really good preseason, and mm-hmm. and you've reported it every step of the way. Um, I think he's going to make some plays on punt return. I sure. think if he gets that opportunity, I think that's going to be an area where he's going to really be able to help. And, you know, it's it's always interesting to pick a slot guy because, you know, if if teams – if you do have good outside receivers, you got to give it up somewhere, and that's can that can be where your mismatch is. Yep. All right, let's move to one more question before we do the before we go into a break here. And we're looking at Tony T thirty five here. Tony T, I got to tell you, man, I, I I don't know that I've ever seen you interact with us on the board, but I'm glad you shot us a question. Uh, what is the projected order of finish in the SEC? I don't SEC East. I'm sorry, I, I don't know that I can name all the SEC East teams off the top of my head under pressure. Uh, I, I I know I had to do this at SEC Media Days. And I would be shocked if I named the the correct order of finish from SEC Media Days because I just kind of blazed through that stuff. But I mean, I think Georgia's going to go number one. I would say Florida number two, just because I think Florida's probably a little bit more talented than every other team in the SEC East. I'm going to say Missouri number three, Kentucky number four, um, South Carolina number five, Tennessee number six, and Vanderbilt number seven. Who you got, Kip? I like it. I, I think uh, a lot of people are really high in Kentucky just because I think that they're returning their offensive line. We talked about this offensive line. I think last year, Jake, when, when we were trying to name the the best offensive lineman Georgia was going to go against, I, I think I rattled off like three guys and we kind of got surprised. Like, how how good is this Kentucky offensive line? And now here we are a year later, I think uh, – I think their offensive line kind of showed last season. They they have some NFL talent on that line, but the the issue is 
still at quarterback? You know, can they are they going to have a consistent playmaker at quarterback? And and I still think that's going to be a question mark heading the season. I think that's really really going to limit their ability to kind of take that big step, the next step in the in in the East. So I I still have Florida number two. Uh, I'll take Kentucky number three. I, I um. Missouri, you know, they're having to replace a, a lot on defense. I got them I got them number four. It gets kind of dicey after that. I mean, we're now we're talking to teams that might win five games this year. I think the, you know, the over under starts getting toward at six for the you know, for I'll I'll go Tennessee next, then South Carolina. You know, uh, Vanderbilt's gonna have a long season once again. They're gonna they're gonna be wishing they could they could forfeit several games this year. Uh because it's it, the roster. There's a lot of work to be done there. Um, I like coaching staff they have in place there, but it's going to be some some tough sledding this season for them. They just don't have the depth to really compete against some really really deep rosters this year. Rusty, what you got? Obviously, pick Georgia. I, I, I'm going to go with Kentucky in that second one. I just feel like this quarterback they got is kind of the big piece of the puzzle for them. They got a lot of guys back in key spots. Uh, big offensive line, got a great running back, Chris Rodriguez, young man out of Georgia that, uh, you know, I don't know that we evaled him right, but I knew that he had potential to be a really, really good player. He was a put-together guy, 200-pound back in high school, and uh, I think he's first-team All-SEC. This is a guy that can get it done, and when you can run the ball and stop the run in the SEC, that's a good sign. I really like what Stoops is putting together, and they're going to be a hard out, man, for everybody. And uh, I, I, I kind of go with them right now. Florida, I think, takes a step back. But to me, it's hard to gauge because you read our Florida board and kind of the, the message with Emory Jones, you know, he's he's hot and cold right now. Um, this young man we all know. We all covered him out, out of Heard County. So, you know, Dan Mullen has been known as a quarterback guy. Can he get the most out of Emory Jones and, and Richardson down there as well battling? So, you know, they lost. It's hard to do when you lost what they lost with those guys offensively. It was it was a freak show uh, what they did last year with Pitt and, and, and Trask and all those guys. So it's hard to replace that. I'll take, they'll take a little bit, a little step back, and uh, we'll see how the season goes for them. I got uh, Missouri next, I, I think, that. Um, they've got some some pieces of puzzle up there. This is his second year as well, Drinkowitz. So we'll see what they do. I like Tennessee next. I like their schedule a little bit better than the, and the than uh, than than what people kind of think. Uh, they, I mean, they lost unbelievable amount of talent and transfers. So you know, it's going to be. They brought in Joe Milton. Sounds like he's going to be the guy from Michigan. They're going to go really really fast paced wide receiver, uh, just throwing it all over under under Josh Heupel. So. I think they're going to be a little bit better than kind of the national media thinks. Uh, we'll see. But with South Carolina right now, that roster has got some some really good players at the top. It's not very deep. Quarterbacks banged up. I mean, you can paint a picture ever how you want. And I know Zeb Nolan. Uh, I know Travis Nolan. His dad well covered Zeb from 10th grade on. And when you bring a graduate assistant, uh, you know, a guy that's been hanging out and watching tape all summer, and you bring him into the mix and right now – Sounds like he could be the starting quarterback for a while with Luke Doty out. That's not a great mix uh, to start off, and that's unfortunate for Shane Beamer and his guys. We'll see how that goes and how quick Luke Doty can get back. But uh, again, Clark Lee had taken over at Vanderbilt. I think they got a. I think they got a really good uh, coaching staff, like Kip said, putting together some momentum. I think they're recruiting some guys really well. I like what they're doing. Some of the offers are putting out, especially in Georgia. But uh, that roster is a is a big, big uh, overhaul. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a while before uh, Vandy starts using their home stadium as an advantage because right now teams are using Nashville to take trips and go see a football game and kind of take that place over. So, um, you know, it's a step at a time process for those guys. And, and I think uh, Vandy's a couple years away from seeing the fruits of uh, this, this coaching staff. You know, uh... Missouri was the team I thought about putting in that number two spot because out of all the teams back there, quarterback is back, and he's a good player. He's a talented kid, and Eli Drinkwitz does a really good job with with quarterbacks, and that was one of the reasons why I have Missouri number three and really thought about putting them number two. I just don't know if they're going to be as good defensively 
as Missouri has been since Missouri joined the conference. And I think that might be something that, that they might end up chasing their tail a little bit with that. Let's jump into a break real quick. And we got more questions on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, guys, let's move on. Next question, Q-Dog 22. Who plays more snaps this year? Gilbert or Pickens? This is actually a really, really good question. This is a tremendous loaded well played, question. Well played. And I'm going to I'm gonna pass. No, I'm just saying, I, I, listen, if I had to guess right now, and it is 110% a guess, because I'm not a medical professional who knows when George Pickens is going to be back, and I don't know when Eric Gilbert is going to rejoin the team, period. I would say Pickens because Pickens is actually out there with him on the practice field right now running and coming back. That's what I would say. What you got, Rusty? Uh, I'll go two parts on this. If Georgia beats Clemson, I'll go with Pickens. Uh <laughs> Uh, if Georgia, <laughs> that's just kind of my gut feeling this thing. Uh, you know, here's the thing. Eric Gilbert could be back, you know, that's in a couple of weeks. Or Eric Gilbert could not be back again. That's just forecasting things. So we don't really know how that's going to play out. And, uh, I think if you're having a guess right now, you would have to go with Pickens on that. I know he's rehabbing every day. I know he's at least taking classes. Um, you know, I, I, he's not very, he's not close at all to playing. So, you would have to anticipate this thing being a, a late, late, late in the year if if Pickens plays, uh, possibility type deal. But if you had to pick one, uh, based off you know kind of the current pulse and where we're at, I would have to go with probably Pickens because uh, you just don't know when uh, you know Eric Gilbert's going to rejoin this team. Could be soon. Could be a while. Kip, who you got? Well, like you guys said, you know, one's a little bit more of a, a known commodity. I mean, we, we've we've seen guys come back from the injury that, that George Pickens is trying to come back from. We obviously know that, you know, if he decides not to play this season, that, you know, he has the NFL draft to think about as well and preparing, you know, for a combine and things of that nature. It, it, if George is playing, you know, important football, say in November, maybe December, then, I mean, I think Pickens could be that guy. You know, obviously with Gilbert, there's no way for us to know what the future holds for him. And, you know, it's really more about him, you know, taking care of himself and, and, and you know, getting to where he needs to be with, with that. And there's no way for us to predict something like that. And it's obviously something that's, you know, more important than, than football with him and, and just getting where he needs to be. With Pickens, it's more about time, you know, and obviously with Pickens, we know he's a competitor. And regardless of the fact that, you know, he, he has the NFL, whatever round it may be waiting for him, he's the type of guy that if he knows he can help Georgia, you know, win an important game and, and get to the college football playoff, he's going to try and get out there and do that. And so that, you know, that that's the more known commodity. So obviously I think we don't know when that'll be with him and still it's a pretty serious injury. You know, I, I think if, if Georgia's going into it with a chance to, to play in Atlanta and a chance of the playoff, then I think there's a chance that George Pickens plays again for Georgia. And if they're not in that situation, then then no, I don't think he will. So and and as of right now, we we think Georgia's positioned to do that. So 
I think it's more likely that, that Pickens plays more snaps, but I mean, we, we're looking at a situation where not, it could be neither one of them, you know, so I'll stick with the, the easier choice there and, that, and that's Pickens. And if Pickens plays again for Georgia, I mean, that's great news for Georgia. That means that, you know, they took care of business before he, he got back on the field. So that's definitely something that uh, to look forward to for, for Georgia fans. If they see Pickens suit up again, then things have gone pretty well. And, I mean, I think Rusty alluded to this a little bit. This could be rendered moot in two weeks for all we know. You know, so, uh, you know, that it's just a matter of when Eric Gilbert decides that he, you know, when everybody around him and his support system, that includes Georgia staff and everybody else, decides he's ready to come back and get back on the football field. And when he is, uh, then obviously he becomes the guy. But we just don't know right now. There's just kind of a – there's a very much a great unknown as far as that goes. STM09 is next. Who will lead the dogs in sacks and interceptions in 2021? Rusty, who you got? Uh, just because I know that he is uh, such a pressure guy, uh, I'll go with Adam Anderson. He's going to get a lot of chances. Uh, you know, he's the third down guy. They're going to turn him loose. He is a problem. Um, I went back and watched. I didn't go back. It was on TV. I watched some of the Sugar Bowl the other night, and you look at Aziz Ojolari, some of the things he did, and then you look at Adam Anderson when he – He's just freaky. He's he's a problem in the past. When you know it's a passing down, Adam Anderson is a guy. The offense has to know exactly where he is. I like the way Georgia uses him. They'll bring him off the edge. They'll they'll do a little ET stunt, loop him back up the middle, and then oftentimes when a, when a t- tackle on a guard or trading off, that guard can't reach back out and get Adam Anderson. So, uh, you know, he's a guy I think, and I think Lewis Seen is that guy that you know, he's sitting back there in center field for a reason. Uh, instinctive ball skills. Uh, obviously very physical player. He's going to be a guy that Georgia is going to count on to make a lot of big plays in the secondary. So, you know, I'll go with Adam Anderson, Lewis Seen. Kip, who you got, man? Well, I think with Adam Anderson, it's just going to be the fact that Georgia's going to try to get him on the field as much as possible. And the number of snaps that he's going to play this year, I mean, he was a highly effective pass rusher when he was on the field before. And, you know, he's yet to start a game. And so now you look at just all the different roles. You look back at what Leonard Floyd did, you know, when he was there, just the fact that it wasn't just, you know, it's not just going to be Sam linebacker. He's going to be in there at star. He's going to line up all over the field. You know, sometimes he's going to be in coverage as well. But I just think that if if you increase Adam Anderson's snaps and he shows he's ready for it and, and he can, you know, hold up at the line of scrimmage and continue to play that role, because, I mean, they could throw him out there for an extended number of snaps and, and you know, maybe he doesn't step up and show that he could be a full-time player. But based on the talent and what we've seen for him so far in the field, it just I think he's the guy that's going to get double-digit sacks for Georgia this year when all is said and done. And, you know, uh, as far as interceptions go, I, you know, I'm going to go to a guy that some people had written off as not, you know, not being a starter after the transfer portal additions, uh, you know, uh, I think Latavius Brinney's a guy that could that really step up and, and, and make a number of plays for Georgia. I think just his experience, you know, experience in the system and the fact that he's had a great fall. He's had a great camp. And everyone had already penciled in, you know, Tyke Smith in there, that star position, being that he was so productive at West Virginia. But I think Latavius Brinney saw that and said, no, not so fast. You know, I, I think that just the fact that he's gone out there and, and really, really showed he could he could play that position for them. And honestly, he's versatile enough to play a, a, across the secondary, whatever they need from him. He's got the skill set to come in there and, and help them out. So I just think as far as playing time, you know, he's a guy that's, that's going to get a lot and he's earned a lot. And I, I think he is he, he is prime for, a, you know, a big season for Georgia. And, and a reminder that over the years – you know, a lot of the highly ranked guys have come in and people have immediately put them in as starters over, you know, maybe lower recruited guys. And that experience has really, really helped in Georgia's secondary. Like Kirby Smart has put guys in there that are more experienced and, and let them roll. And, and they've stepped up, you know, at multiple positions. I think Latavius Brinney could be that next guy to have kind of that Tay Crowder, you know, breakout season on the defensive end and, and really help Georgia in some big games with some key turnovers. So I like Latanius Brinney. That's a really good pick. I actually really like that pick because of the number of snaps that he could be in line to play. 
Um, I'm going to go away from Adam Anderson here. I'm going to go away from outside linebacker in general because I just think when 19 is on the field, the deep, the offense is going to want to know where he's at because going into the year, you look back at Adam Anderson's pass rush production last year, and when he's on the field, you have to know where he's at because he is the A number one threat. I mean, even last year, you know, I know teams probably had to worry about Aziz Ojolari, but even last year – he was the number two threat when he was on the field at the very least. And sometimes the number one pass rush threat, I think he's going to get some, some protection slid his way, some double teams, some, some, you know, tackles oversetting in the guard, you know, coming underneath. I think he's going to see a lot of that. I'm picking Trayvon Walker because I think those two are going to be on the field a lot together. When you start talking about these obvious passing situations and the speed that George is going to want to get on the field, I think Adam Anderson is going to have a massive impact on George's defense but it's not going to shock me if he ends up with seven sacks, but he creates, you know, 15 others for other guys because he's going to draw some attention. And, and when you listen, when you've got a six, four, 240 pound outside linebacker, that's having to be double teamed in passing situations, you're creating one-on-ones for guys like Devonte Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, Jalen Carter, even Jordan Davis. I think that's going to be big. I think you're going to see Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson kind of right there together in sacks by the end of the year and Trayvon Walker just a step ahead just because of his motor athleticism and the fact that that I just think that he's going to get some edge rushing opportunities in more of an outside linebacker role on first down as well. Kind of be that Aziz Ojolari guy that with his hand on the ground, see some heavier defensive fronts on early downs. Interception-wise, this one's tough because I don't see the four, five, six interception guy on this team and and that's not a bad thing I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at all but you know you had guys like Dominic Sanders and 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 Richard LeCount who listen you can say what they want about their struggles they, they weren't perfect players they got beat they had they had their 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 warts so to speak but they found ways to create turnovers they were just adept at that I don't see that guy on Georgia's team right now but I'm going to go with Darian Kendrick, and I think he probably leads the team with maybe two or three, maybe four interceptions. I don't think you're looking at a you know, five, six, seven interception type guy on this team, but I think Darian Kendrick playing as much football as he's had, uh, as he has, I, I think he's a guy that, that may end up being put on an island more, may be attacked more, and may also get a chance to pick off some more passes. All right, let's go to our next one. Uh, I believe this one's going to be from... Packer Dog 63. I got mixed up on my questions there for a second. Does Todd Munkin turn Arian Smith loose this year? Listen, I want to say this about Arian Smith. And, and I think he's he participated in the last scrimmage, from what I understand in full. But Kirby Smart mentioned he's had some toe injuries throughout camp, and that's something that can kind of is kind of you know hurt a speed guy. But but I do think that that they're going to use him to his fullest. I think that that skill set is one. It's easy to use. And what I mean by that is it's not hard to see this guy really fast. This guy needs to get behind the defense. Go for it. And so I think Arian Smith, I don't think he has any choice but to use him and use him to his fullest, and I think that that's the way he'll be used. What do you think, Rusty? Yeah, I mean, um, you just have to you 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 got to find that early on uh, what's clicking early on with with, with Coach Monk and you know when you call him plays and doing those types of things, it's about formations. It's about what what uh, what you know what runs working, what what wide receiver groups working, who's blocking. Uh, you know it's hard to say. You know if you're going to turn a guy like Arian Smith loose, you know because Arian Smith comes on the field, it doesn't take a lot. Everybody that scouts Georgia knows they got a 10, 300 meter guy. So first of all, you're thinking vertically, this guy could hurt us in a second. So they're going to have to show some different things on him. I think getting the ball in his hands, some reverses, those types of things. Just get you know, obviously you come out there in a bunt set and you see him at number one, you're thinking here comes the bubble to, to Arian Smith because you just want to grab the ball and take off running. So. Uh, you know, when you look at all these things, factor in together, he's got to play a big role because this isn't an elite athlete. You saw it in track season. Uh, so when you have a guy like that in your in your room and you want to assume you have him for two more years because you would think this guy projects to, you know, play Sunday football. So uh, you got to find ways to get him the, 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 the opportunities and not just, you know, last year being banged up, 
Jake, you cover every single game, every single play. You knew when he came in, he was going straight vertical. I mean, you better lock him down. That Texas A&M, I believe Texas A&M game, he came in, and he was behind the guy. The ball was just a little bit underthrown. So, uh, Cincinnati game, he comes in, they throw they throw one deep there to him. So, you got to find ways to get him the ball in space. He's got to show he can block. He's got to show that he can, you know, break off routes and those types of things. He's not just straight line speed. But uh, I think that Coach Monken's going to find – uh, what what packages, what groups work together, but they're going to have to find a way to use an elite athlete to their advantage and get him the ball. All right, I think we've got that one pretty much surrounded at this point. Uh, uh, let's move on to the next question. And this is probably going to be our last for this episode, but we're going to get to one more. Hunker Down says, which position group that the fan base has the most concerns about could later become a pleasant surprise this year? Now, I want to pose this first. I would say there are four position groups right here that really qualify receiver because of the injuries and may not even qualify. Uh, offensive line, outside linebacker, and the defensive backfield. So, Kit, picking from those four, maybe even not receivers since we've since we all had like you know we've talked about three or four different guys who we think could have breakout seasons. Which position group do you think has a chance to kind of morph into a strength for this team as the year goes on? I like this cornerback group specifically. I mean, I think that we've talked about the safety, you know, the guys out there at safety. I think, you know, Lewis Seen and Chris Smith are going to be solid back there. Uh, I don't think that they might not make the number of, you know, big game-changing plays that we've seen in the past, but I also don't think they're they're a group that's going to get beat deep a lot. I think that, you know, Kirby's going to be able to depend on them to, to keep everything in front of them, which is, which is huge with, you know, obviously the Clemson game right off the bat. But toward the end of the year, I think that they're going to be playing good football. But, you know, the the cornerback group, that's that was the discussion coming the offseason is how many guys Georgia lost to the NFL draft, you know, transfer guys, you know, that they really, really had a lot of experience and there were big time names out there. So, you know, it's, it's the next group. This is why Kirby smarts recruited to that level. And you look at, you know, Amir speed out there, a guy that everyone said, is he going to be able to to step up, you know, as a senior and and play sec football on a consistent basis? I I think he's ready for that, but I also think the rest of the group is going to be really solid too. Darian Kendrick, obviously coming in from Clemson, you know, he's starting to really come on late in camp and, you know, he's a guy that has gotten beat a couple times in big games, but I I think that, you know, he's got the athletic tools. He's got the experience. That's exactly what Georgia asked for at one cornerback position. I I think that, you know, right now he, he's set up to, to start at one side, but, I also think you're going to see some of the younger guys just step up and show that Georgia actually has pretty good depth there. I think, you know, Jalen Kimber, uh, Nylon Green, you know, some of the young guys, freshmen, those are guys that I think have the talent. And it's it's really just about being physically ready to, you know, to step up and take down some of these SEC running backs when they need you to. But also, if you give up a big play, to forget it, you know, and to go right back out there and get ready to make a play, a big play, you know, the next time that your name's called or the ball comes your way. And I think that that's the key for, for these guys is to get out there and just get a, that experience, stay healthy. That's one thing with Jalen Kimber. Can he stay healthy over the course of, you know, a season? You know, came came into Georgia a little thin, continuing to add weight and get stronger. That's going to help him in that, in that position as well. But I just think that Georgia has some guys battling out there. The competition's been really strong. I just think this is a group that, Comes into the season with a lot of question marks, but I think toward the end of the year, you're going to see that they've recruited this position really well, and they got some young guys that once they get that experience, they're going to really make a number of plays for Georgia toward the end of the year when they really need them at their most. All right, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, I'm going to go ahead and say mine. Let Rusty hit clean up here, uh, but I think it's the offensive line, and the reason I say offensive line is listen, I've got some concerns for for game one. I think the unit needs to gel. I think they've got to get some guys together. But I also think it's a position that is too talented not to get it figured out at some point this season, whether it's after game one, whether it's before game one, whether it's during the bye week, whatever. I think at some point you're looking at Georgia 
getting it figured out on the offensive line. Listen, it may be right away. I'm not saying that I, you know, I'm here and the offensive line is going to suck. It was great for most of that second scrimmage. But if if it's not great to begin with, I have a lot of confidence that George is going to get it figured out at some point this season because Marius, if it struggles, you got Marius Mims and Broderick Jones and 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 you know Devin Willick and so many different guys ready to step in and do their thing. And and Matt Luke's been around this. He's he's tried things. He's he's been an offensive line coach. He he knows kind of where to to kind of plug holes and plug gaps and get this thing to gel. Maybe the best, maybe great all season. Maybe great after game three. Maybe they're decent early and, and get great late. I don't know. But I think by the end of the year, Georgia's offensive line is going to be playing at a really high level because it's just too talented and 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 too too competitive not to. Rusty, what's your pick? I like both of those. Uh, I think those are – let's don't beat around the bush. Those are the two positions, uh, The you know, the Georgia fan base, questions, young guys, depth. I think when you look at secondary, I think Kip hit that spot on. I think – Georgia fans are comfortable with those five guys that are probably playing six. If you whatever Amir Speed, Keith Ringo, ever how that unfolds. Uh, you know, you look at Breeny, um, Chris Smith, Lewis Seen, Darren Kendrick. Those those are those are guys that. But the depth, you know, Nylon Green, Jalen Kimber, uh, those guys, uh, Bullard, another guy. So we, we I think the the Kip, you know, answered that perfectly. Uh, Jake, I agree with O line. You know, what happens if Somebody goes down at right guard. What happens if Jamari Sawyer's out for a little while because he's kind of the the glue that can put people in different spots and those types of things. So um, I don't think I have to go too far in depth. I think the secondary is, I agree, spot on with Kip that, that, that there's some depth there. They're young. I think they'll be a lot better week five, week six than they are right now. And they're going to have to play some. And then I think everybody – uh, in the Georgia Bulldog fan base, certainly anybody that's a subscriber on Dogs 247 on that junkyard message board wants to know who's going to play left tackle, who's playing right tackle, how's Amarius Mims looking, Broderick Jones, all these guys, uh, you know, how's this going to play out? And I think that the the confidence that all three of us could probably answer is they've recruited really well there. They got young guys. This is college football. These guys are coming in ready to play now. So it's really and truly next man up. If someone goes down, you bring in this next guy. I mean, what kind of school could have somebody like Eric Gilbert out, Darnell Washington out, and we're still talking about how good this true freshman Brock Bowers is. So when you got a roster the way Kirby's built, you don't want to take too many more. You cannot take too many more certain specific positions. But what Kirby Smart has built, this is his footprint. This is his 85 guys. Uh, I think other than Julian Rochester, 84 of these have been uh, Kirby Smart staff signees. So it's unbelievable that Julian Rochester is still here. But uh, when you look at this, uh, this is his team. This is where they've recruited, and they've built incredible depth. Kirby even signed Uncle Julian. That was his first class. So he actually he, – he didn't get him committed, but he signed him. So that was his, uh, that was his first class. So uh, Uncle Julian still hanging out out there looking 45 and actually being 24. Uh, I called him that one time when I saw him uh, after a visit. I, you know, I saw him walking, and I was like, "There's he looks like the oldest guy in this parking lot right now," and uh, definitely he looks older than me right now. Grows a better beard, that's for sure. All right, guys, that's all we got for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. We'll be back soon. But for uh, for uh, Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams, I'm Jake Rowe, and uh, you guys have a good one.